Welcome to Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors, brought to you by UEA. Each month, we provide the latest information you need to guide your students through their journey to university, plus hints and tips to help support you in your work. We know you're busy, so we keep each episode to around 20 minutes, just long enough for a cup of coffee. So, pop the kettle on and let's get started. Hello listeners and welcome back to this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures, the higher education podcast for teachers and advisors produced by the University of East Anglia. My name is Natasha and I'm a graduate ambassador from our recruitment, outreach and events team here at UEA. Today I'm joined by Sally Ricks, head of our recruitment team, who is here to talk to us about a brand new scholarship at UEA in honour of our 60 year anniversary. Thank you so much for joining us, Sally. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, Natasha. Thank you so much for having me. As you mentioned, my name is Sally. I am Head of Student Recruitment at UEA, so work very closely with our higher education advisors, offering our schools and colleges liaison package, and also our events team who offer a series of on-campus physical and virtual events for our students and applicants. Great, thank you. So to celebrate UEA's 60th birthday, we've created an exciting new scholarship in which 60 students will be selected to receive extra funding for our extracurricular activities alongside their studies. Sally, would you mind telling us a little bit more about the scholarship, who it's available for and what kind of things it can be used for? So as you mentioned, yes, we're really excited to launch this scholarship to celebrate UEA turning 60. So the idea of the scholarship really is that students can use it to enhance their academic experience at UEA by getting involved with extracurricular activities and making sure that they really become a part of the UEA community. So at the university, we have over 250 clubs and societies. So lots of opportunities for students to pursue a new interest or indeed carry on a hobby or interest that they're already involved with in sixth form. And the idea is really that the scholarship will really help students to enhance and make the most of their first year So some examples of the types of things we envisage students may want to use this scholarship for are being able to access events and opportunities that are perhaps hosted by our students union or by UEA Sport at our on-campus sports facility or perhaps an external membership, for example, to give students access to the National Writing Centre based in Norwich. So a whole range, and really the idea is to give the options to the students for them to choose how they would want to spend the money to enhance their time at the university. In terms of who the scholarship is available for and eligibility criteria, teachers and advisors can see all of this on our website. But just very briefly, the scholarship is open to all UK fee paying students who are starting at UEA on their first undergraduate degree. And it would be paid to them in two instalments during their first year of undergraduate study. Amazing. Thank you. That sounds really, really good. So in terms of the application, what does that look like? And if chosen for the scholarship, is there any ongoing actions that applicants and advisors might need to be aware of? It's worth saying that often scholarships and bursaries, teachers and advisors will need to advise students that applications for these happen separately to the student finance application, which goes through Student Finance England. 
So for all of our scholarships, including this 60th anniversary scholarship, students would need to apply through a specific application process, which is available on the scholarship pages of our website. The deadline for this is Friday the 3rd of May, so students have plenty of time. So we tend to find lots of students once they've applied to UEA and they perhaps come to an applicant day as part of this process that they then find out about the scholarships like the 60th anniversary scholarship and will then submit their application next spring once they know a little bit more about the university and the opportunities available to them. So in terms of the application, we really just will want the student to tell us a little bit about themselves, why they want to study at UEA and for them just to write to us about how they are considering the extracurricular opportunities at the university, how they would plan to engage with these to enhance their time at UEA for themselves and of course for other students too. In terms of once students have been successful, we would then notify them before they start with us. We would then ask for any students who have been successfully awarded the scholarship to contact us twice during their first year just to update us on how they've used the money and how this is helping to support their extracurricular activities. They may want to write to us, create a blog or indeed a vlog or an Instagram or TikTok reel, whatever students feel best showcases what they're doing. We'd be really, really keen to hear from them so that we can then use this content when promoting the scholarship in future years. Perfect. Thank you. So finally, is there any key information that you think it would be helpful to highlight about the scholarship? And if any of our teachers and advisors who are listening want to find out a little bit more, how would they go about doing so? I guess the final thing to say is that we're open for applications for the scholarship now. So it's available for 2024 entry. So for students starting with us in September 2024, teachers and advisors can have a look at our website, which details all of the bits and pieces that I've spoken about today. But we also have a really short but really useful promotional video that they may wish to use in assemblies when talking to sixth form students or tutor groups to promote the scholarship. And this is a really nice way of students being able to get an understanding of the scholarship and what it's for just by watching a really brief video, as well as, of course, all of the detailed criteria if they want more information. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Sally. And hopefully that gives our teachers and advisors that might be listening a better understanding of what this scholarship offers and whether it's a good fit for any prospective students. We are also really lucky to be joined by Sophie Bremner, a lecturer in Geography and Global Development here at UEA. So nice to have you on, Sophie. Would you like to introduce yourself a little bit and share something about yourself with the listeners? Thanks very much. So my name is Sophie Bremner. I'm a lecturer and I've been here at UEA in total since 2006, but I've been a lecturer for the last five years. And one of the main jobs that I do within the School of Global Development, or DEV as we call ourselves, is to run our foundation year programme. But I'm involved in other things as well. Thank you. Uh, It's great to have you on the podcast today to tell us a little bit about our global development courses at UEA. So can you tell us a little bit about what these involve and the range of courses that the school offers? Sure. Well, I guess first is to think about actually what do we mean by global development? So the school, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary at the moment, 60 years of UEA and 50 years of DEV. And we're an interdisciplinary department. So we engage in positive social, economic, environmental change. And we're really kind of interested, particularly in global injustices. And then that's reflected really in the subjects that we offer our undergraduates. So we 
being interdisciplinary, we have academics from uh, anthropology, from geography, from environmental sciences, from political science. We have economists and we have people who are specialised in media and humanitarian communication. And so we bring that into all of our undergraduate courses. We have our straight BA Global Development. And then we have a series of degrees where it's still interdisciplinary, but students specialise in a particular discipline. So we have, for example, Global Development with Anthropology, Global Development with Economics, Global Development with Politics, Global Development with the Environment, as well as Geography and Global Development and Media and Global Development. On top of all of that, we have our Foundation Year Programme as well. So in a nutshell, that's what we offer to our undergraduates. As I said, all of our degrees are interdisciplinary. So students specialise in one of those disciplines if that's what they choose. But they're still going to be studying modules from other disciplines. So, for example, if a student wants to study on the global development with anthropology, they would have compulsory modules in social anthropology or cultural anthropology. But they would also be studying interdisciplinary global development modules. And they would also be studying, depending on what they choose, they could pick up modules from economics within the school or media within the school. It's really their choice. That sounds like a really varied kind of opportunity for students out there. So you mentioned earlier about the School of Development offering a foundation year programme. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the foundation year programme is a year before year one, and it's integral part of a degree. It's not a standalone qualification. It's a year that students take where, for various reasons, we can't accept them into year one because of the grades that they've got. And the foundation year is a smaller group of students. And there's a real emphasis on building up the confidence of those students, getting them ready so that when they go up to year one and they transfer up to year one, they can really shine and they can really excel at university study. So we've got two main emphases in the foundation year. One is to give them foundational knowledge of global development in all its interdisciplinarity. The second thing is to build up students' confidence and study skills. So for our entry into our year one degrees that I mentioned before, it's our typical entry requirements are ABB and our typical entry requirements for the foundation year are CCC. But we do also offer contextual offers as well on top of that. But yes, the foundation year course has been running now for five years. Students do really well with that. They become really engaged in the studies and they also then have a choice at the end of the foundation year to decide what course within the School of Global Development that they're interested in. So we work with them to help them choose the course that's right for them. Perfect, thank you. What would you say are the main things that any prospective students can expect to learn or experience on one of these Global Development degrees? Going back to what I just said, one of the main things is flexibility, really. So I know that sometimes students come to us and they're not really sure maybe where they want to go in their degree. So maybe they did geography at A-level and they did economics at A-level, for example. I should stress that we don't have prerequisites in terms of the subjects that students should take at A-levels to gain entry into our courses. But uh, these are just two examples of of A-levels that some of our students have studied. And, And maybe they actually want to study both. So this is an opportunity really for them to kind of decide to maybe focus on geography, but also follow the economics modules at the same time. I guess what they learn is a really broad and critical understanding of all of the global challenges that we face in the world today and an understanding that all of these global challenges 
they intersect with each other. So to understand issues such as poverty and inequality, as well as things like climate change and environmental change, we have to understand them from a really holistic perspective. And just understanding climate change in terms of the science is not going to help us address the problems that are going to come from climate change. Understanding poverty only from the perspective of an economist isn't going to help us address all of the issues that cause poverty and then trying to help alleviate that. So students will kind of understand about all of the global challenges that the world face, and that can include the things that I've mentioned, as well as things such as health, conflict, wars, humanitarian crisis, falls in democracy. Uh, It's really very broad. Pandemics, epidemics, uh, and so much more. But understand these from this interdisciplinary perspective. So broadly speaking, that's what we're concerned about. We're concerned about understanding the world's issues and the challenges that the world faces, but then understanding about positive change and how we can potentially then make them those things better. And it's such a good degree that it develops as time goes on. So something new like the pandemic will come in and to be able to understand that from an interdisciplinary perspective, I think is really, yeah, really important. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we do find a lot of our students are students that have got a natural interest in what's going on in the world. So they're keeping abreast of world events and keeping their eye on the news and maybe have a real passion and desire to see things improve across the globe, both in the global south and in higher income countries as well. And we could kind of talk about the UK there, you know. And so we do find that our students are kind of often come with that passion and that desire to to understand these issues better, but also to kind of enact positive change as well. I guess building on that as well, um, in terms of the application process, what are the kind of traits and qualities like the passion that you're talking about is the school looking for from prospective students that they might want to highlight if they were applying to one of these courses? I think that is it. It's just to somehow evidence and show us that you've got that passion and that interest in the subject. Now, I am involved in admissions at the undergrad level in DEV and I'm also a passionate believer in widening participation to university as well whether that's for mature students, students who come from lower income backgrounds, students who maybe are the first in their family to go to university. I'm quite passionate about making sure that we open up university study to to everybody that has that ability and that desire to study at that level. And because of that, I know that not everybody has necessarily had the opportunity to kind of travel to places in the global south or engage in a volunteering trip in Tanzania or do Duke of Edinburgh abroad or maybe become the school prefect or course rep or something like this. And we understand that and I understand that. So to me, it's showing that passion and that could be evidence in in many different ways. It could be from doing one of the things that I've mentioned and other things. And I know that typically students are encouraged to show their extracurricular activities on their in their personal statement. But it could also be about showing us that you've maybe read a book or that you've engaged in some kind of activism or advocacy at a local level that has kind of really piqued your interest and that you'd like to take that further. Perfect, thank you. So also some of our listeners may be advising students on what kind of courses might lead them to certain careers in the future. So from an employability perspective, what are the sorts of skills and knowledge that graduates on this course might expect to accumulate And more generally, what sort of career destinations are very common for courses within this school? 
Absolutely. So, I mean, in terms of knowledge, obviously knowledge of the global development sector really broadly. So we do find that students do go into global development and that can include INGOs, international non-governmental organisations or NGOs, non-governmental organisations, aid organisations, United Nations, World Bank, WHO, UN and all of its agencies. I mean, there's classic employers within global development and having a global development degree is putting you ahead of others in terms of having that knowledge, both of the challenges that the world faces, but also how the global development industry has tried to address those challenges and understanding some of the agents and the actors that are involved in that industry. So once you enter that industry, kind of understanding what the World Bank does or what the UN does is very valuable. So obviously, it's it's really well suited for students who want to go into that. But actually, there's loads of transferable skills as well. Number one is kind of critical analysis. We do find that students take a global development degree and they will go into lots of other different careers that maybe at first glance you might not think of as global development. But actually, if we're thinking of global development as not just in the global south, we can see that it's related. Really classic example would be local government and the civil service. And we have a lot of students going into those kind of roles. But also it depends what specialism you have. So, for example, if you did uh, global development with media, media and global development, then we find students going into media and communications departments. And that could be within the uh, a global development agency or organisation, but it could also be somewhere else. We find a lot of our students go into the charity sector within the UK. We find that other students continue on and they go and do PGCE and then they become primary school or secondary school teacher, more likely a secondary school teacher. It's really varied what, what students go into. There's also consultancies as well, um, think tanks, fundraising. It's, it's really quite varied what students go into. Also, many of our courses offer the ability to take a year abroad or yeah. a year in industry. But many of the global development courses also offer something called an overseas placement. Would you mind telling us a little bit about what this involves, how it works and how they are organised? Yeah, all of our degrees offer the option to do a short-term placement. It's not in the degree title, but it's something that students can choose to do once they come here. So we do have these three options and I really encourage all our students to choose one of them. And sometimes you can double up and do two. Uh, so one is obviously the year abroad, which is quite standard now for many of the degrees at UEA. So that's where you go and study in a university overseas. Then it's the placement year, and that's a nine to 12 months work placement. And that could be in the UK or it could be overseas. That's very bespoke to the student. The career service and, and an academic within our school works with individually with those students to find a place for them that it's going to increase their employability and their career prospects once they complete their degree. I had one student this year who worked with a charity in Uganda. Another student worked in the, for the sustainability department of Mercedes-Benz and has actually got a job from it already. So it can be really quite um, illuminating and eye-opening for those students and give them some really good experience. But yes, we also then have this short-term placement option. That is 8 to 12. 10 or 8 to 12 week placement it's just got to be a minimum of eight weeks that students will do in their final summer before year three and they can go overseas or they can go to the UK and the idea is that again they gain some really powerful and hopefully informative experiences that they can take with them when they graduate but it's also a really good opportunity to network as well so we have students going all over the world 
often in sub-Saharan Africa, but actually also Latin America, Europe, South Asia. And the way that students find their placement is we have a series of what we call live opportunities, which are placements that we have arranged with a placement provider. And students can apply to that placement, knowing that that placement is just there for someone in the school. So it's not an open application and they're not going to be competing with people from many different places or schools or universities. But then other students independently find something that really suits them. And we support them through finding something that suits their interests and their career ambitions. So we've got if our live opportunities coming up for next summer, for example, I've got a number working in health and development and education and development in Uganda. I've got an organisation working with sport and development and young people in low income neighbourhoods in Accra and Ghana. We've got an organisation working in Peru, potentially something coming up in Thailand. We have got organisations that in placements in the UK as well, including places like Anti-Slavery International. Just sometimes this can become a very, very useful and enjoyable part of the degree for our students. So students don't have to make their decision when they join us. We have information sessions at the end of year one and the beginning of year two, and we help them make the decision about what they want to do. But I encourage a lot of our students to do that if they can. And there's some funding available as well, which I think is really important when you're thinking about widening participation. Um, there's some funding from the school and that's not the students don't have to pay that back. And at the moment, we also get Turing funding that comes through from the British government as well to help encourage student mobility. Perfect. So that brings us to the final question. If any of our listeners want to find a little bit more about global development as a school, any courses that they offer, how can they get in touch or find out any more information? Great. So, of course, there's our website. I think it's uea.ac.uk forward slash dev. We'll go straight to School of Global Development and then search for undergrad courses. Have a look at our Instagram account because I think that's a really nice example of dev as a community. We do have a, a, a really good community spirit within our school. And that's something that our graduates have really fed back to us, that they feel part of this community of students and then graduates as well that spans the globe so once you're in dev you kind of have connections both with our undergrads and our postgrads and our postgrads is very international and that's really reflected on our instagram account so you can see kind of all of the different things that we're doing in the school so that's everyday.dev on instagram so you can also contact us through linkedin on uea-dev and i'm also on linkedin as well sophie bremner to contact me individually, you can also go on to uea.ac.uk forward slash us slash us and then search for me under the School of Global Development. Amazing. Well, that brings us to the end of the questions today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been wonderful to hear all about the course and the school itself. Thanks very much. That's it for this month's episode of Nurturing Bright Futures. We would absolutely love to hear from you. To book a visit, make a suggestion or ask us a question. Drop us a line at schools at uea.ac.uk. Thanks for joining us.